0: Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And got a little bit, bit different of a show for you today. Uh, Brennan and Jude are both uh, being very good fathers. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, this is a little bit, this is a uh, late afternoon recording. Uh, we are obviously a, uh, this is OFD After Dark. Is more the way we normally do things, but I was able to get 24 sevens, Tom Loy uh, on the horn. And we're going to talk to him about the uh, Notre Dame football's recruiting effort for 2021 uh, signing national signing day. The first, the first uh, period of it uh, is coming up here in less than a month in December. And so, uh, and there's some exciting things going on. Notre Dame just got a couple of commitments and we're kind of looking at how Notre Dame is going to round this whole class out. So uh, yeah, this will not be the, the normal OFD podcast, uh, a little shorter, a uh, little bit less to it. Uh, but I will still ask you for, uh, to please go over to Apple, Apple podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. All reviews left will be read on the next OFD podcast. I'm not doing any readings tonight or on this show right now, uh, but on the next one, uh, we will take care of it. No problem. Uh, and by the way, the next OFD podcast will be a uh Q and a slash North Carolina preview, uh, pod. So there'll be a lot of stuff going on. Should be, should be a great show. Uh, but I got some exciting stuff going on here with Tom Loy. Let's get to that right now, uh, and get caught up on all the good news about recruiting. Joining me on the podcast is Tom Boy, twenty four seven Irish Illustrated's recruiting analyst. Tom, how you doing over there, buddy? Good, my man. How are we doing? Excellent. It, it was a we are recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, we've had a little bit of a busy time the last couple. Of, it, it had been so quiet uh, as far as commitments go, and then uh, all of a sudden Notre Dame uh, popped off a couple.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. I mean, in a time where I thought might get a little quiet, um, you know, as we get later into the season, it's been nice to kind of get a little flow of a, a run of commitments and some really good ones as well. You know, we're, we go all the way back to like a guy like Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas and then fast forwarding uh, to the recent guys that, are, that that have popped off. And again, obviously, Philip Riley. So uh, and then Josh Bryant. So exciting news for Notre Dame fans. So it's
0: been a nice run. So tell me the the Philip Riley situation. This is you know, this is something that's, it's pretty fantastic. Notre Dame doesn't get, it's not just Notre Dame. Most schools don't get kids to recommit back to them after they have decommitted. Uh, it's just not a, a natural, it's not a, something that just happens. Uh, but Notre Dame's had a few of them, Stefan Tewitt and Aaron Lynch in one cycle is another one. Uh, Brayden Lindsey is another guy. Uh, and then Dion Colsey and <laughs> in this cycle enough. So it, it seems common, uh, but how did how did this kind of happen with uh, with Riley? I, as far as I understand, you know, Mickens stayed uh, stayed on top of him and eventually just kind of was able to flip him, right?
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild to be quite honest. Um, you know, going back to his initial when he so he so he commits to Notre Dame and everybody's excited and it's pretty. Uh, pretty expected. And I know a lot of people are talking about Virginia Tech and a few others, but when he pulled the trigger to Notre Dame, I mean, this guy, he was so excited. He's like, you know what? I haven't been to Notre Dame, but I've talked to so many people. I've you know, gotten on the phone with current Everybody's super fired up. And, um, you know, he was completely on board. So I don't want him to, I don't want people to think that this guy is uh, a flaky person because he's not, he is honestly, one of my favorite you know most favorite recruits in this entire cycle he's so honest he's so open he's so upfront about everything um and he takes this thing so serious um but the problem was he had been you know people had gotten to gotten to his ear and i don't want to name names but people had gotten to his ear about notre dame and the lifestyle and and the way people treat others and this and that and and it kind of got to him it really hit home um, when it really shouldn't have Because he didn't have both sides of the story, both sides of the picture. So he ends up kind of taking a step back from Notre Dame. And obviously, he had a lot of people in his ear on the West Coast about USC. And it was a familiar program to him. And he knew some coaches there and some current commits and players there. Um, That was a more comfortable spot for him. So he commits to USC back in late September, I believe. Um, Notre Dame was shocked. I mean, to be completely transparent, uh, I had a lot of people calling me that were like, what happened? what am I missing? <laughs> Why is he not going to Notre Dame? And I'm like, I, trust me, I don't know. I'm confused as you are. You know, a couple days before he commits, he's telling me how locked in he is and he's telling other reporters and this and that, that he was a hundred percent committed. That was all factual, but uh, it was a quick turn and uh, everybody was surprised. Well, after he committed, Notre Dame was able to get, get him back on the phone and kind of right the wrongs that. Perception that was out there about Notre Dame, and, and uh, without going into too much detail, just simply had a request or a respect to Philip. Um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more after he puts pen to paper and signs in January. But you know, they were able to right the wrongs and, and, and fix the situation that, um, and a lot of the, the inaccuracies, the lies that he was told. Um, Philip got on campus, was able to walk around, just kind of mingle with students away from the coaching staff, away from the players who weren't even on campus because they were at a, at a road game at the time. So, um, it was just, that's really the situation. It was, um, um, he was told one thing, he believed it. And then he found out the truth and he was like, what am I doing? I'm, I want to get back to Notre Dame. So that's really how it played out. And obviously now he's locked in and he's ready to put pen to paper next month.
0: Yeah. That something like that should never be, yeah. Uh, everyone has to keep in mind. These are, uh, you know, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen 17, 18, 19 year old people. Yeah, uh, this is not, you know, I, Tom, I don't know if you if you know, but I, I love to tell the story about, uh, you know, I was locked in to go to Miami, Ohio for like three years. That was the okay. only school I wanted to go to. That was it. That was it. That was it. Uh, I took one visit to Cincinnati and started to think maybe I want to do something else. And then I just take a random out of the blue visit to Eastern Michigan. And I like I signed all my paperwork to attend Eastern Michigan that day, like just out of the blue. Uh, so, uh, I actually can relate to the, to, to these guys and look, nobody was like pressing me. It wasn't like Easter was like, we're dying to have you come up here and be in third, you know, third, floor wise hall and drink a bunch of beer. Uh, the, you know, it's, it's just people change their minds. And when you're young, you're impressionable. It, it's easy to, to not have the full scope. So that's kind of what I'm getting from what, what, what happened with Riley, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of negative nonsense, uh, can really get to someone who, who just doesn't have the the experience and the uh, the advantage of the years of wisdom, am I right?
1: 100 percent. hundred percent. And like you said, these are young guys at times they can be very impressionable and they they like the glitz and the glamour of a lot of things, and then they're also going to buy into the negative approach that that people may express. and and you know you hate that. you hate you know for me, i'm I'm a negative recruiting is recruiting. it's it's cut and dry. I'm all for that. If a coach wants to do that, Uh, promote your program, tear down another. It is what it is. I mean, it's part of the game. It happens everywhere. If anybody doesn't, it's not going away. Yeah. (laughs) They 100% do everybody does. I just feel like certain lines were crossed. um, And, and that's just, that's, that's the problem. I feel like you just can't take it too far and flat out lie about serious issues. That's all. So I think that's the gist of it. Um, and, And, you know, good for good for Riley for finding the place he wanted to be the entire time. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, you know, I don't really, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't really care where they go. I'm just, you know, these guys, I care a lot about him. You get to know him for a couple years and you just want to see them, um, you know, be happy in, in the end. And I can tell you after getting on the phone with Philip the other day, he was, he's very excited to be at Notre Dame. Now,
0: could you, uh, could you see the same situation of happening if, uh, if Mike, if it was someone other than Mike Mickens, how important was Mike Mickens, uh, to all to all of that uh, to the process of getting Riley back into the fold.
1: Uh, Mike Mickens is um, a very impressive recruiter. I'll, I'll give him that. I mean, he's he's very detail oriented. He he fits in so well at Notre Dame alongside guys like Clark Lee and, and Brian Polian. Um, that that trio right there, um, and you can add Terry Joseph in there, who I think is um, one of the more underrated and just one of the, the brightest guys on the staff. Big Me fan too. of him. I just that that trio, though, uh, with Lee Mickens and Polian, they just they don't mess around. They laid it out perfectly. Um, they're not going to pull punches. They're going to be very direct. Um, and I think that that that's really what 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 sold him on Notre Dame and getting him you know, on board initially and then also getting him back from USC when he made the, the flip. So uh, big fan of Mickens. I love what he's done so far. He's obviously a terrific coach, but I love how I love his effort when it comes to recruiting. Um, I know he, he really locks in on watching film, um, which I think Notre Dame has a, has a great team over there when it comes to, you know, and an analysis and uh, evaluations and things like that. But overall, I really like the hire from day one of, of Mike Mickens.
0: Excellent. All right. So that this is, then we, then we get a second, not just a second commitment. This is a second flip, uh, Notre Dame flips, uh, um, uh, a Colorado kicker, Josh Bryan. Mm-hmm. And the, this is, I'll tell you what, Tom, I had so much fun last night because he's a kicker. Uh, there, the recruiting rankings across, across all boards are just, it's all, it's all over the map. Uh, so Chris Saylor kicking has him as the number one kicker in the country. And they have a re, they have a re, you know, a rating system of, uh, they go all the way up to six stars. So he's <laughs> the number one kicker in the country. He's a six star, which is something I love. It's something quirky, which so I'll just shout it out. Uh, so obviously people are freaking out. It was funny watching Alabama fans having a really hard time accepting that someone could be a six-star recruit. I, there was more, def- more than a couple, uh, but <laughs> it's just a funny little thing. So, but 24 seven has him as like the seventh rated, I, I think uh, kicker in the country. Either way, this is a guy that Notre Dame really wanted. They were able to flip him from Colorado. Jonathan doors, Supposed to be coming back. He, he had said he's coming back, so we, can ex- we don't have to expect uh, this guy to come in right away and b- take over all the duties. How big is this? this is, to, to me, this is a little bit bigger than what uh, than what people normally place on when it comes to to specialists. Like I have a I have a fun old time when a long snapper uh, commits. I think that's fantastic. Some people don't really care, uh, but this is this is kind of a big deal, right?
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh- I, I I'm not a kicking expert I'll never claim to be um, <laughs> in, the, in the I just I don't know many people are but I do trust certain individuals and um Chris Saylor is one of them and I have I've known Chris a while and um we started talking I, I mean this guy couldn't say enough things good things about Josh Bryan so um he raved about him I mean if you read the story at IrishIllustrated.com, I mean he goes into into detail as to why because I kind of pressed him I'm like well how do you get to a six star? I mean, how do you even rank him a five star? How do you name him the number one kicker in the country? What what separates him from like um, Sander, the kid that's going to Penn State or Cameron Little, the kid going to Arkansas? Like what's different? And he just goes off on his tangent about, um, you know, whether it's the ball flight, the where, where he hits the football, um, the height. Um, but for him, honestly, what I think is the most impressive for him towards Josh is the mental aspect of the game. He misses a kick. Um, he's just like, oh, oh, well. You know, I'll just make the next one. Um, And Josh, talking to Josh, he's the same way. So I think that that mentality, you know, when I kind of press Josh about like what what makes you so talented, what makes you so good, what makes any kicker so good, and he's just like kind of you know forgetting about what happened and you know trying to realize, yeah, there's some pressure involved, but you know it's not the end of the world. You know, you're gonna miss kicks. But you gotta make the majority of them. And that's really what it comes down to. And you know, I like the maturity of him. He says, Yes, John Doerr, he's coming back next year to Notre Dame. I mean, he told him that and and Pullian expressed that to him. So it's not like Josh is coming in like I'm coming to Notre Dame and I'm gonna win the job. We all know Josh is not gonna be the kicker for Notre Dame next year. So, um, whether he's good enough or not, it's well,
0: it's, I mean, now could be I mean, Brian Kelly and uh, and and, and Brian Polyon, they both kinda like uh, they've used the word fatigue, you know, they didn't want to kick or fatigue. Like with yeah. Justin, you and know, Jonathan door door, they wanted to do kickoffs uh, so that he could come in and techni- I mean, technically and, and take over kickoff duties. Right. I mean, if, I if be,
1: yeah, that would be great. I think that in a perfect world, if he could show something after he arrives in the, in, in the summer, if he could make that uh smooth transition, no question. I think that would be great for everybody involved. Um, but Uh, This fatigue factor—I mean, I kind of laugh at it, and and maybe I I do too. (laughs) Maybe it's a real thing, but I've never—I guess I've never really asked John about it, or—or you know, we get media sessions uh, with assistant coaches, although those are few and far between, as you know. Um, Right. Right. The, the how real you know real that is so uh, I would expect Dora to be able to handle everything but yeah I mean in a perfect world Josh comes in and does his thing and, and you know you're not worried about redshirting him let him come in and do some kickoffs take a little bit off Dora's plate so uh, but but overall I think Notre Dame fans should be very excited about this I mean this has been in the work since since August is when I told when I was told he was most likely coming to Notre Dame, um, so it's kind of been—it's a touchy subject. I've had to hold on I'm from making a 24/7 Sports crystal ball. Um, I was waiting to find out if for sure Notre Dame was going to offer because there was a point later in the process over the last couple months where Notre Dame wasn't going to offer it. They were kind of mm. limited in scholarships; they weren't sure what they were going to do on that front, and they decided at one point, we're probably not going to offer you, Josh. So he was locked in with Colorado. Things changed quickly. He texted me a few weeks ago and said, "I'm—you I'm, know—I got the offer." I'm going to commit on this day. Um, you know, that was it. So it was pretty, pretty cool that he was very upfront about it. Cause I had kind of moved on. I was assuming they were, they were not going to offer him because that's how he was expecting things to play out. But obviously things changed and Dora's coming back and they'll have Josh on the roster next year.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, about scholarships and, and space and all that. I think everybody's really confused right now. And I, I know I am, and I, I follow this thing, uh, pretty closely write <laughs> about it quite a bit too. Uh, but I, there's no set structure right now. Like we, we have this, uh, this year granted everybody has an extra year of eligibility. Uh, but with that comes a, a big mess coming up with, with actual numbers. Like, are we going to be able to go over to 85 because you're granted, do you, have you got any kind of word about any kind of clarity about where these things are going to end up at? Like, are these no.
1: I know I'm going to be completely honest. I have not been told uh, anything beyond the things like we'll figure it out. Um, I don't I, I just know that everybody can come back next year if they want to uh, in terms of you know numbers like no one's losing a year, things like that. But at the same time, I mean, let's be honest, there's guys that are like I, I don't expect Ian Book to come back next year. Um, right. There's just guys like that that you know are going to end up moving on, whether it's the NFL, whether it's another school to get a fresh start or um, simply put, like you got your degree. You played your four years. There's a very good chance that Notre Dame doesn't ask you to come back. And there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest. Um, these guys will have an opportunity to grad transfer anywhere they want to go if Notre Dame doesn't bring them back. So um, there's it's not like they're going to be like, you know, kicked to the curb. They're going to have plenty of opportunities. Both sides, you know, uh, withheld or. Upheld their obligations and uh, it all worked out on that front. So you can't really fault either side for what they want to do. But at this point, man, there's so much up in the air when all this crazy with all this craziness. Right. Like we're in, I, I don't. I don't know how it's going to play out.
0: I just kind of look at it like, uh, not necessarily as like trying to get guy. Like, take a like if if you could take advantage of the situation, take absolute 100% advantage of the situation. Yep. Say they bump it up to 95 scholarships, you could have. Well if you know that you can start your nose to the ground about transfers. If there's guys out there that you haven't offered or, or, haven't, you know, I just, I, this was supposed to have been a, and you can correct me, absolutely correct me if I'm wrong. I was always under the impression. This is supposed to be about a 20 man class anyways, uh, from the jump, just, just the way the numbers were looking out, maybe 20, 20, 21. Now it seems like they might be pushing towards 20, you know, 24, 25. I mean, could they go 27? I mean, is there even enough, prospects on the board with, with all the no contact, I mean, there's nobody to just get on campus and, and woo, uh, you know, you know, which Notre Dame has done really well at, especially between the first signing day and the second signing day. Um, I just, is that it? Do you know that if that's something that's being looked at, like is uh, Notre Dame kind of keeping their, their options open, like to, to get some extra bodies and take advantage of, of uh, maybe a possible addition to, to scholarships for a year, or two. yeah,
1: no question. There, there's. It honestly seems like there's nothing off the table at this point. Um, some people I had talked to before were kind of like.
0: Amazing I, if there was a governing body that could just like that keeps pushing recruiting back. That could say, hey, let's go to 90 or 95 scholarships next year. Yeah, that would be kind of nice, right? <laughs>
1: um, but, but honestly, no, I don't. I don't know what the final number is going to be. Honestly, they could get to 25 and it wouldn't shock me. They're at 21 right now. I think we've made it very clear that we don't expect David Abiyar in the class. Um, we expect him to eventually decommit or, or realistically, um, I, you know, I could probably go out of my way to get it confirmed that he is 100% no longer uh, being recruited by Notre Dame because, you know, obviously they can't mention names, but they can confirm that a young man is not being recruited uh, by a school so that we can go that route. So let's say right now they're at 20 commits. No question. They could get to 25 and for the right class, I could see them taking 25, you know, Donovan Edwards calls Notre Dame and says, I want in. I can tell you right now. They're
0: 100% not going to say no. Hey, to you, you said his name, not me. So uh, I, I know a lot of people are probably listening to this podcast. No one I'm going to hammer you down about this. So the two running backs left on the board, realistically, Are Donovan Edwards and Byron Cardwell? Cardwell just got offered, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah. Notre Dame wants to add another running back to this class, right? Like this is this 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 is this is a definite thing. How real? Let's just let's just talk about Edwards for a minute. How realistic is Edwards? I uh, I know you've said to to others to to maybe not get your hopes up so much, but there seems like a lot of smoke. There and there's a lot of opportunity there, especially the way Michigan is imploding. We've seen this as at, at Notre Dame as fans, we've seen these kind of seasons happen to us, and recruits go elsewhere. Uh, Reggie Bush is the automatic that goes in my head. It's like a guy that we thought we could get you get trounced by USC, goes elsewhere. Uh, well, and a bag full of cash, but <laughs> but Donovan, <laughs> Edwards, Donovan <laughs> Edwards, yeah, how realistic is that option right now?
1: Um, so I did say not to get your hopes up, you know, to the Notre Dame fans. I mean, I, I made clear. Get, right. get my hopes up, buddy. I'm not going to get your hopes up. I'm going to tell you right now, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but, but, but all I can do is report the facts. Before the Clemson game, I was told he had a conversation with the Notre Dame staff. The Clemson game wraps up that night. He had a conversation with the Notre Dame staff. The next day he had a conversation with the Notre Dame staff. So there's been positive dialogue. No question about it. I mean, this is a guy that I reported from day one that I thought was going to go to Ohio State, and he was going to. But by the time it came for him to want to go there um, and whether he wanted to admit – he didn't want to admit this or not. I mean, this is what I was told from sources. Um, he 100 percent wanted to go to Ohio State, but they obviously took two two running back commits and moved on. So, which is crazy to be a school that can turn away Donovan Edwards um, while right. Notre Dame was begging for somebody like that in their class. <laughs> but when it comes to Donovan, I've always felt like he was looking for reasons to not go to Michigan. And honestly, you can kind of lump Notre Dame in there for a while as, as, as reasons to not go to Notre Dame. I mean, a lot of people thought it was those three teams and he was going to end up with one of them between Ohio State, Michigan and Notre Dame. Um, at this point, it looks like more of a Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame, Michigan battle with Georgia in there as well uh, as, as Oklahoma, you know, Kamar Wheaton, I still think the kid out of Texas, I think he's going to end up at Oklahoma barring a surprise. So that would most likely rule them out of the equation. So then obviously he's in a pandemic. Does he want to go to Georgia? Will they have, will they have room for him? Things like that. And, or does he want to see, I've always got a vibe that, that he was more of a homebody. I thought he would end up in the Midwest somewhere. So again, Notre Dame or Michigan, where, where do you kind of, you know, where, Notre Dame is the better spot right now. But on the other side, if you really buy in to the direction and the future of that program with Michigan, with J.J. McCarthy and the guys that they have coming in, there's a great opportunity for Donovan to go in, step in right away, get a lot of playing time and potentially be the guy by the end of year one. So that's kind of an appealing um, thing for a running back. So there's a lot of pros and cons. I mean, there's a lot with Notre Dame. There's a lot of the academic opportunities or challenges they provide. Um, there's a pretty good backfield with with Kyron Williams and Sebo um, right now and Chris Tyree so he wouldn't step in and be the man in year one so there's just a lot going on there I think this one is far from over so I think that there's a you know it's going to Tommy Reese and Lance Taylor and those guys are going to get on the phone with him continue to get on the phone with him I know this was a big week that they wanted to make a big push so we'll have more on him later this week uh, but but right now I definitely think that Notre Dame is Is more in the mix than I would have expected them to be even two months ago.
0: Now, is the is is this a this one for another running back in the class? Is this more of a recent development for Notre Dame? Uh, Does this stem from uh, from Jameer Smith uh, deciding to just not to stop playing football, Um, or is or is Notre Dame really kind of still wanted to get another one? Because there's there's still some there's some names on the board that. That absolutely confused me. Like, like Corey Kiner was Notre Dame just not a Cincinnati kid. Notre Dame is a really awesome job. I mean, not a, a, Roger Bacon isn't a Notre Dame feeder school, but Cincinnati itself is a Notre Dame feeder city. Uh, so that one always confused me. Like, if he was just if that kid was just dead set on going to LSU, or if Notre Dame just wasn't really in the market because, uh, you know, they were they went in all in and Will Shipley ended up getting Logan Diggs. Uh, did the the loss now, Jameer Smith. Say, okay, let's get another one into this running back room, and while we're at it, let's try to get you know one of the best available
1: yeah, so I think that they probably I wouldn't say they mishandled it. It's easy to say that they missed they missed on will Shipley, they were all in on the kid, and in the end they they fell just short you know they they, they were the runner up to Clemson, so it's very easy to say they mishandled it because they didn't get the number one guy on the board. Well, they got the number one guy on the board. Last cycle, in Chris Tyree, they made a similar approach with Shipley. It didn't work out. If Will Shipley was the Notre Dame running back commit, there is no shot. They would be recruiting a second back, would have taken a second back. This would 100% be done. Running back recruiting would be over. Um, he obviously committed in May to Clemson. They moved on. I think where the Corey Kiner situation kind of went south is because they were they were late to the party um, to, to offering him. You know, They didn't offer him until I think it was – um, I think, September or so last year, but they weren't really pushing. So I think that they kind of didn't really make a push until after Shipley. And by then, you know, guys like Donovan Edwards, not a, they weren't a huge fan of how Notre Dame handled it. Same with Corey Kiner. Um, so again, you're already playing from behind with a lot of running backs that are like, well, what about me? Obviously, it was very public knowledge that that Shipley was the guy. So a lot of these guys felt, Like they were, their recruitments were a little mismanaged or they felt like second fiddle. Guys don't really like that. These guys, they got egos. I mean, I think they all kind of do in some fashion. So that didn't work out. But, but yeah, I mean, I think like a kind of recruitment Donovan Edwards, I think those were kind of mismanaged a little bit. I think you've got to kind of keep them warm in the background, but you know, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. They made a run at the best guy on the board. They missed, they still got Logan Diggs. They still have a chance to get Donovan Edwards. Uh, Byron Carwell's on the board. They could go and offer Audrey Estime, who's at uh, Michigan State, commit right now. And if they were to offer him, I do think that they would they probably get him. I think that they would trump Michigan State quickly. So there's definitely still some options, but I but I fully agree taking a second back is, is the right move if it's one of these guys that are on the board. I don't like too many guys that are that are uncommitted or guys that aren't really targets right now. But if they can land another one of these guys, I think especially Edwards, who I, in my opinion— is a five-star I think he's an elite back that
0: would be an absolute home run win for Notre Dame all right uh so we talked about a couple of flips earlier uh and Notre Dame fans are eyeing for another one uh this one with uh with Caleb Johnson from originally from our area our neck of the woods Tom Fort Wayne uh but down there in Florida right now committed to Auburn uh what are what's kind of going on there with that there's seems to be again some smoke there uh but uh but nothing that, uh, that I've seen that, uh, says anything concrete.
1: Yeah. I nearly picked Notre Dame on the crystal ball today, but I kind of held back and, um, I wanted to, you know, I've been having some conversations with Steve Wolfong or our, our director of recruiting at 24 seven. And, uh, we've kind of got our, um, got our ear on this one and, and on the pulse and we're going to, we're going to hold off until Thursday. Um, and I don't know when this is going to go up, but on Thursday, Caleb's got a call with the Notre Dame staff, Um, I would say this is probably the final call uh, before he either shuts it down and sticks with Auburn or makes the flip to Notre Dame. Um, You know, from everything I'm gathering, uh, I feel pretty good about Notre Dame's chances. They feel good about their own chances. Uh, I think that Notre Dame has done a really good job of, in my opinion, a slightly mismanaged recruitment that they've done a complete 180 on and done a great job. I mean, it took him a long time to get that Notre Dame offer and if he would have had it uh earlier i think he'd be in this class but waiting till march of this year um when he had some pretty big ones already under his belt that kind of hurts um and that kind of again put them put them back i mean he was on campus for i want to say the usc game a year ago and he didn't have the offer then and that didn't exactly sit well especially that he's a fort wayne kid he's an indiana native who is uh, living in florida now so I think they've done a great job, and obviously, winning helps. I mean, he was locked into watching that Clemson game. He saw it. Um, our one of our our analysts that covers Auburn, Keith Niebuhr, just did an interview with him on site, so I heard the audio. You could literally, I mean, you could just tell Caleb when he was talking about Notre Dame and he was talking about that win. He was smiling. He was excited. You get a vibe that this kid is strongly considering Notre Dame. So, honestly, if if all goes well Thursday. I would expect an eventual flip uh, from Auburn to Notre Dame.
0: Excellent, I'll take that. Uh, and uh, you, you've already mentioned uh, David Abiyara. Now, this has obviously been a very strange recruitment from the jump. I mean, we were we were expecting a commitment. What was that in January or February? On uh, one day, he he held he held off almost a week, I think, uh, before making it public. Uh, and then there was, you know everyone thought he was going to flip to Oklahoma. That didn't happen. Texas comes in uh, all this stuff surrounding him. And then uh, the kid gets into some trouble. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, you you're uh, you're not really, you're not expecting him to be in this class during all that time. Notre Dame put out some other offers. You know, they, they went after TJ Ballers who committed to Wisconsin. Uh, so now with, with Kelvin Gilliam, where, where is that with Notre Dame right now? Is it, is that, is that something that, uh, that is, you know, trekking towards, uh, something positive or is that more of a, st- a stale situation? If you talk to people close to
1: Notre Dame, they feel really good. They have had great conversations with him. Uh, they've been open and honest throughout the process over the last few months. Um, and last few weeks, especially and if you talk to people close to the Oklahoma staff, uh, they feel really good about keeping him. So it's kind of a situation where I feel like he's telling people not necessarily right. what, what they want to hear. I just think he's kind of struggling with, with his decision a little bit, and he's kind of going back and forth. And again, not in a wishy-washy flip-flop way, but more so just doing his due diligence. He's a very intelligent, smart kid. You're not going to wow this kid with glitz and glamour. You're going to wow him with facts. Um, he's going to do his research, do his due diligence, have his conversations with both staffs, and come to a decision. Um, Brandon Drum, uh, a guy 24-7 that covers Oklahoma, he does a really good job. Uh, all his sources maintain that that all, all is well with Oklahoma. He's supposed to be at an Oklahoma game. He's supposed to go to West Virginia for an Oklahoma game with, um, potentially with Caleb Williams, who's supposed to go to Notre or supposed to go to Oklahoma and is already in Norman living there and he'll enroll in January. So, um, he's got ties to both school. He's got a teammate going to Oklahoma, a good friend of his. Um, but again, everything he's telling Notre Dame on the backside is all really positive. Um, Every single source that I talk to at Notre Dame feels like they have a really, really good chance of getting this kid. Um, I'm not to the point where I want to put a crystal ball in for Notre Dame. I'm gonna probably just let this one play out unless I'm told definitively he's coming right. but but I will say, man, there's a there's a lot of smoke to an eventual flip to Notre Dame here, and that would be um, a, a massive
0: pickup. Is distance at all a factor? It's just it's a Virginia kid, which Notre Dame does pretty well has been doing better, I should say. Uh, you know, in those areas, uh, you know, Oklahoma, middle, middle of the country. Obviously you got, it's funny, you you know, you mentioned the West Virginia, which is just, just the strangest thing. They're in the big 12. It's like they're one link to the East, <laughs> the East coast. Uh, is distance at all a factor here w- with him or, or is that, and for his, him, you know, with Notre Dame playing the ACC schedule, being able to, uh, to go up and down the coast, is that play in at all? Or are they, is everybody, him and his family, uh, absolutely okay with, with him going, uh, you know, to the middle of the country.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's going to matter at all. Um, okay. Honestly, again, this kid cares about football and he cares about academics and he's genuine in both on both those fronts. I don't think a lot of schools right now will be entering the picture and making a run at him and, and actually making a, an impact on his recruitment this late in the process. Notre Dame just happens to be one of those schools because he he's a big fan. Um, he he likes what they have to offer both athletically and academically so I think that that's why they're able to come into the mix. Um, so his decision is going to be about a lot more, um, than distance or location and things like that. So again, very smart kid, very educated, um, does his due diligence. Um, big, big fan, really enjoy talking to him.
0: All right. Uh, so just got a few more here. Uh, Dame's wide receivers, really great class right now. Deion Colsey, uh, Jaden Thomas and Lorenzo styles. Uh, one thing I and I'm asking you this just to to put my mind at ease uh, did did Notre Dame at all, did did they not want a four, were they completely content with three uh, or did Dante Thornton like did that did that recruitment end up just being Thornton's full on decision or did Notre Dame uh, make a you know a decision to just let up and, and let him um, not not let him go because they were never the leader but to, to you know to lighten up and, and not not try to get him in the class.
1: They've always wanted three receivers. I mean, I was told from day one, as soon as Dell Alexander got the job, um, a, a source told me that he's not a guy who really wants four receivers ever in class. There's just too many people. You lose guys to transfers. not everybody's happy. Um, he's got a real close group. Um, I mean, obviously you, you've seen with the, the group that's currently in Notre Dame, the water group is really close. So he likes keeping it that way. So he really wanted three this cycle. Um, yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's tough
0: because all this- I have a big problem with just I have a big problem with with letting talent go. Obviously, like the class with the one class now, you know, with 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 Lindsay and all those guys. There's a lot of guys in that class. They all haven't panned out. I just I have a, a problem with if you can get talent, then get the talent, and you'll deal with the numbers the next year. Maybe maybe you don't go after so many re- receivers in the next class. I just I I, I know. I can understand what their decision was and why it was made. But still, if you have a shot at, at a, a talent like that, a six, five, almost 200 pound uh, wide receiver that with a, with a ton of athleticism, that's a hard one to let go. I mean, that's, that's a hard one, not to, just, just to say, okay, we're done.
1: Yeah. No, and I want to make it clear. I mean, they weren't getting Dante Thornton. I mean, I think that okay. if they would have offered him early in the, pro- earlier in the process, like when he was on campus uh, for that summer camp, then yeah, they, they would have had a better shot, but he, man, he was infatuated with Oregon. I think Joe Moorhead and the Oregon staff did a really good job. Um, as soon as he got there, they made him a priority and were pushing for him the entire time. And um, I think that he really wanted to be at Oregon uh, and, and kudos to them. I, like I said, I really think that staff did a great job. Um, I think that, so what I've been told of the last few weeks that Notre Dame um, has started to lighten up on the potential of taking a fourth receiver. Um, they've had some comp- They've reached out. I will say I wouldn't even say that they had dialogue. They've reached out. They're still um, they would love to get a flip from Dante Thornton. I mean, they absolutely love that kid. Um, They got a few uh, logs in the fire behind the scenes working on some other kids. I mean, I know that Bo Collins was a guy that they would love to take from Clemson. But but right now, I honestly just but again, I mean, I'm not making it. I don't want to make it seem like that's realistic. Um, He's just another guy that I know that they they've reached out to recently. Um, Obviously, Dante's the other one. There's a few others, but but again, I mean, looking at the big picture, I just don't see them taking a fourth receiver this class. Um, They're not really. There's a couple that they really really like, but again, they're going to be tough to flip. Like I think they could, they might be able to make a run at Andre Anthony. Um, They probably could have him in this class if they would have made a run at him as a receiver. Uh, from day one, but I mean, as we reported, we, they thought they uh, they liked him more in, in, in the secondary at corner, potentially safety, but most likely a corner. They liked his length and speed. I don't personally love him at receiver. I think he's got a lot of upside at, D, at DB, but again, he'd be a guy that they, they might be able to make a run at if they wanted him at receiver. And um, Titus with Ati Malala, they've been recruiting as a defensive back the entire time. He's another. They might have had a much better shot if they had recruited him as a receiver from day one, so he's that ship's in my opinion, nearly sailed. So there's guys in the mix. But again, I just don't see a fourth receiver in the class unless they extend a new offer at the last second. But they're not completely dead or closed off on, on that, at, at least right now.
0: Okay. And so uh, are, are we expecting all of Notre Dame's current commitments right now to sign on uh, signing day in December? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that pretty much what... I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're not going to mess around with guys that want to wait till till February. I mean, if you're if you're not signed in December, then then there's a chance you're going to lose your spot. I mean, it's really just just cut and dry. But but in talking to all these guys, I'm pretty sure I heard from every single one of them um, they're signing in December. So um, maybe uh, maybe Logan Diggs, I may not have heard back from, um, but but from what I've gathered. Um, they're not, they're not concerned about him and they expect him to sign in December as well.
0: Okay. And I'm a guy that did, I, like I, I admire you, you and, and everything that, uh, that you and your colleagues do, but I am not someone who like can talk about the next cycle until the next one, until this, until this current cycle is over with like all the stories about the 2022 offers. And, all and I understand how important it is because it is the big, the, the base of what you do during that cycle is how early you're on top of these kids and all that. So I totally get it. So my question to you is, is how, how the hell is this going to work with the 2022 uh, class with all this no contact, which now is pushed to what April 15th uh, just for, for this class, what, what Notre Dame has been doing, which has been doing a pretty damn good job with, uh, you know, this early signing day has been a good thing for Notre Dame. Getting official visits in spring has been a really good thing. And we saw, I think, how much that affected Notre Dame this year in the negative, not being able to get guys um, up there. Maybe someone like a Landon Trangwell, maybe that made a, would have made a difference. Uh, but so how is 2022 going to work? I, it, is this going to be a, a really tough year for Notre Dame? Because this isn't a Florida State big school. You know, this isn't a big state U uh, where Notre Dame does have to go nationally, it is a little bit different different way to do it. it, it or should we be expecting a little bit less out of the next cycle?
1: I think that it's kind of weird. So I think you're going to have some guys that are like, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit early, lock in my spot, uh, not worry about taking a visit, and do that down the road um, whenever things calm down. There's also guys that are like, I'm not really ready to commit until I take visits. Uh, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm going to take things slow, take trips whenever whenever that time comes, and then go from there. But but like from a big picture perspective, um, I'm just as intrigued as you are. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I really don't know how it's going to play out. I know I will say from because I've seen a lot of uh, either screenshots or some clips. Notre Dame does a really good job from the virtual aspect in terms of showing. Um, the facility, showing the campus, showing what game day is like, showing what the locker room is like, all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you're going to get a really good look, um, even regarding classes and, and one on ones with professors. They've done that. Um, I mean, I know David Abiar, ironically, was one of the first ones to talk about uh, Christopher Stevens, the professor that helped develop the Keurig and the, the professor at Notre Dame. I mean, getting one on ones, things like that. And then virtually, uh, when he was meeting with, you know, a guy like Will Shipley, Um, All that stuff is a positive, but it's not the same as getting on campus and getting that feel. I mean, that's why a guy like Philip Riley or Josh Bryan goes out of their way, spends their own money and wants to get on campus. They know they're not going to be at a game. They know they're not going to be in the stadium or seeing the facilities or meeting with the coaches and the players, but they're going to kind of step on campus and get that feeling. um, And then you kind of realize like Notre Dame's a little different. Um, But again, until you get there and see it, uh, you're really right. just guessing. So it's going to be very interesting how it plays out. But um, at least from a lot of the 22s that I've talked to, um, really a lot of them want to take trips and they want to slow it down. And, and um, they have the mentality that I'm not going to rush my decision. If, if Notre Dame, for example, wants me now, they're going to want me in a few months once all this stuff calms down and, and you know I'm able to get on campus.
0: Okay. And so last one for me then, Tom, Give me your just your, your kind of overall thoughts about the this 2021 class. And is this a class that, you know, look, Notre Dame's right in the thick of it. They have an absolute chance to win a national championship this year. Uh, they beat Clemson for for everyone that says they're you know, Notre Dame recruiting on the same level as that. Hey, you beat the team that they said you couldn't beat. You beat them. Is this a class that that helps Notre Dame continue to to climb up, uh, for that, for that clout, for that respect, uh, and for, you know, for that talent level on the field to compete year in and year out for national championships.
1: I honestly, and and I'm being 100% honest, open and transparent. I think this is going to be go down as one of the best classes, um, to come through Notre Dame. I mean, I really, really believe that. Uh, I think that there's genuine difference makers. I think there's NFL guys, um, and I think most importantly for Notre Dame fans, there's guys who have ridiculous potential to be elite talents on the collegiate level. Um, I'm still extremely high on Tyler Buckner. Like, I get it. He struggled at the Elite 11. But from the first time I saw him in person and I watched him just absolutely rip an NFL ball, um, you know, through the air, and I'm just watching him throw it around, making things look so easy, watching him run around and calling him, in my opinion, a five star and then watching him do what he did after that as a junior, which I didn't expect those kind of numbers, but I expected that type of performance. I think he's a guy who um, is going to be f- outstanding at Notre Dame when his time comes, whenever that is. Um, so the fact that he's supposed to be there in January is a, is a big deal, and it's going to give him a chance to compete early for the, the job that, that um, you know Ian Buck will give up after this year, in my opinion, um, as he moves on. And uh, I, think, I think Buckner is the – the glue that holds everything together. And then you have some real talented guys in front of him blocking, um, whether it's Blake Fisher, who I absolutely think is a top 75, uh, talent, um, top right around, you know, top 50. Um, you got Rocco Spindler and a guy I'm extremely high on. And I'm so fired up that we named him a four star Is Joel, uh, Joe Alt, who I think, will, when the time comes down the road for the NFL draft, um, I think he's going to prove to be a top 50 player, top 60 player. Um, he's a big boy. He has a chance to be a first or second round pick. No question about it. Um, and then I think that the receiver position, um, I think that there's some good players. I think that missing a guy like Bo Collins or Dante Thornton um, hurts them a little bit because I, I like it. I don't, I'm not like in love with this wider receiver group as a whole. Um, when you, when you really put them all together with Colsey styles and Thomas but I will say that Lorenzo Styles is an absolute game wrecker. Um, he is so fun to watch. I think he, I don't know how he projects at the NFL level, but in a college game, I think he is going to be so dynamic. He's going to play right away. I would have him returning kicks from day one. Um, I think he's going to just be. To
0: interject or, just to interject real quick, Lorenzo Styles, and it's someone that I know that you know uh, very well, Amon Ross A. Brown. Is, there, is, is, there a, is that a fair comparison in, in a sense?
1: Uh, I actually hadn't really thought about it, but as a guy I've known since he was in eighth grade, he was an absolute dog in Amonra. Um, yeah, I like it. These guys are so all about their business. They're constantly working out. They're trying to get better. They're constantly catching footballs. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't. So, so obviously, I had Amin Ra as a a legit five star in in my rankings. Like, no question about it. Um, Lorenzo, I probably have right outside that. I think Lorenzo is a top fifty player. Um, but I would not have him in, as a five-star. But but obviously top 50 in the country is obviously really good. So I have him in that in that realm. I don't think he's Amon Ra at this point because he's just – I thought Amon Ra was such a phenomenal talent growing up. But, but Lorenzo's right there. Like I said, he would be my starting kick returner as soon as he gets on campus. And he's a guy that no question will play as a true freshman. Um, so I really like what he brings to the table. Um, just moving on, just defensively, I, I think there's so many underrated guys that I think – could have been four stars if they were able to get to camps and we were able to see them at like the opening and things like that. Right. Like Ryan Barnes. Um, there's legit questions about his speed from camps that he had took at, that he had went to as a sophomore and a junior um, that where he was running in the high fours. I mean, I have a source that I trust that would be very honest with me that says he ran a laser four or five as recently as September. So at his size and his physical stature running in the four or fives, uh, you know, give me all of Ryan Barnes. I mean, that's the kind of guy that you want in the secondary with his length. Absolutely love Chance Tucker. Another guy that I think could have been a four star if we watched him uh, in a camp setting. Uh, so there's just, there's just guys like that, that um, could have gotten a bump in and, and this class. I think we'll end up in the top 10. Uh, of the twenty four seven sports composite team final rankings, but I think it could have been really pushing for that top five if some of these guys were were able to work work out this off season. But top to bottom,
0: absolutely love this group. Okay, I lied. I had one more. I'm sorry. So one of the one of the big you know themes you know from last cycle was Brian Kelly talking about top five classes. Everybody's talking about it, and I don't quite think I don't think people quite understand. Um, exactly what all that entails. Like you could have a, a, number nine class and it'd be outstanding, but because you only have 2021 20, commits, it's not gonna be a top five class. Is that let, let the people know, Tom, like a top five class, you're going to need 25 to 28 kids committed. Uh, and you know, a lot of, you know, just a, a few more extra more stars than what's probably possible at Notre Dame. right?
1: Yeah, usually. Usually that's the case. But but realistically, it's tough to get certain guys. You know, obviously, when you when you put into the academics into the mix, you're obviously going to miss certain. You're already to a point where you have to cut people out that don't have the highest GPAs, that they don't have the core classes or the, the classes that Notre Dame wants to to get into their curriculum and things like that. I mean, we can go back to a you know, set whatever it was a couple years ago with foreign language, not having that credit. uh, Obviously, right away eliminates that from have (laughs) that second credit or whatever it was. So there's just certain things that like other schools don't have to deal with. But I don't always just quickly look at the points. I look at the average star ranking. And a lot of the time, Notre Dame has a a top 10 um, pushing towards top five star average star ranking. So that's that to me carries more weight than just the overall points but but again it's really hard and I just don't see it coming in really at any point where Notre Dame can get a top five class because they just they're not all playing on the same playing field um not everybody has the same academic requirements and that that hurts Notre Dame but you know what that's what makes Notre Dame pretty special um I don't have ties to the school I'm not from here I'm not from Indiana I'm not from South Bend um so saying this is just genuinely my opinion of Notre Dame um it's a it's a special place and I think the allure of that, you know, everything, the aura of Notre Dame and everything that, that, that it stands for, um, you know, you don't want to lessen that just to get, you know, a borderline academic football player in. And just, I don't know, that's maybe that's just my opinion, but but that's kind of what hurts them from getting to that that upper echelon, the top three, top five ranking.
0: All right. Well, hey, Tom, thank you so much. Everyone, you can. You can catch all of Tom's work over at Irish Illustrated twenty four sevens Notre Dame site. Uh, you catch him on Twitter at Tom Lloyd two uh, four seven. Go pay the ten bucks a month over at uh, over there. Uh, it the information is more than worth it. Uh, Tom, you are you are one of the true grinders, uh, but you're not a dick about it. <laughs> so I <laughs> sure
1: do. I try to get to get along with everybody. I really enjoy the beat. I think this. I will say. I think that this beat is. Um, it has a lot of good, talented people on it. I think you and your team do a great job. Um, you know, I'll flat out plug them. I think Matt Freeman over at ISD, Mike Singer over at BGI, these guys work yeah. their battles off. Nothing but respect for what they do. Big fans. Um, you know, we all try to just do our thing and work really hard. And, and um, but I, I love the grind. I love the competition. It just makes us better, and it brings a better product to uh, the Notre Dame fans.
0: What I've always said is Notre Dame has the worst. Uh, beat out there, the worst homer beat out there, because everybody's too damn professional. Like I, I have to be the ultimate homer. I have to carry the banner uh, for the homerism around here. It's not like other pro, like Ohio State. There's, there's just programs with, with beat guys that are just absolute homer, homer dogs. And, and it's Notre Dame is not like that. They are very, <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, almost to a, to a fault for me, where, where I'm beat my head. Like, why are they doing this? But they, are, you guys are a just a an insanely professional uh, group of guys, and that goes again, like you said, across everywhere. You know, ISD over at Rivals, you guys are just at South Bend Tribune, everyone's just really good at what they do, very professional. Uh, and you guys leave it to me to carry the banner of insanity. So uh, <laughs> well, you, do good, you do a great job. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everybody's big fan of yours. We
1: all know it. So
0: you
1: no, know, yeah.
0: Well, hey, thanks again. And, uh, and we're going to get you back, man. We're, we're, we're going to get you back on, on a full episode where we could talk, uh, frozen pizza, or we can talk, uh, all, all sorts of nonsense that, uh, that we dive into. I, if, if you're not an anime fan, that's fine. Uh, uh brendan brendan really likes to hammer that down with with carter uh those two and brayden Lindsay. there's there's some weird anime stuff going on that i don't that jude and i just don't know about uh but uh we're gonna do this again uh here before uh before the cycles uh all the way over here in february how about that
1: i'm sold yeah anytime and i could talk some pizza with the rest of them so yeah man whatever you need <laughs> i'm glad to glad to join
0: all right great well hey thanks again tom and uh back to the show Ooh, all right. That was a, oh, man, that was a ton of information. Uh, I asked for 30 minutes. Alloy got, you know, you know, we do it over here at the OFT podcast, get just a little bit more. Uh, but man, uh, it, it was hard to let him go. There was just, there's still m- so much stuff to know. Uh, and he is just a, a Rolodex of Notre Dame football recruiting information. Uh, and it's, I mean, I have like 30 more questions, uh, but it definitely was not going to be able to tie him up. Uh, we'll get him there. We'll get we'll get him on one of those normal uh, OFD podcasts. And with Brendan and Jude, a uh, little, you know, two and a half, three hour sesh. Don't 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 tell him that he's signing up for it. But we'll get him. <laughs> we'll get him on a long one. We'll get all sorts of good stuff uh, out and about. So. That's it, man. That's this it for right now. I uh, hope everybody is uh, is staying safe out there, wearing your mask, uh, staying socially distant, um, trying to get through all this. Uh, it's the bye week, kind of just a, a great opportunity to to stretch your legs a little bit, take a deep breath. Notre Dame eight and zero right now, number two in the country. Uh, it, it's it's a good feeling. It's a good thing. Uh, and then we will get into kind of a. a an, a strange week next week, obviously with, with Thanksgiving and then the Friday, the black Friday game, uh, Notre Dame down in Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. Again, uh, our preview pod will be half Q and a half preview. Um, should make for a, a fun time. Again, I ask you to go over to Apple podcasts, please leave a rating and review. You know, the deal, uh, leave that rating, leave the review, we'll read the review of the next, uh, OFT podcast. So that's it. So for, all my uh, all my good friends over at the site thank you for listening and as always go irish